Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So, Are you ready for the Word this morning? Yeah. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the 25th chapter. And uh, I want to share a message with you today uh, about something that is a subject almost as old as mankind, but wrapped up in a new package. How many of you know that uh, there's a lot of things in this world that keep being recycled? Uh, not only are they recycled, but they're also relabeled oftentimes because we, we look at something as if it's new. In this modern generation, we stick a new label on it and we pretend like it's a new thing, but actually it's an old thing. One of those things is I want to talk to you today about FOMO. <laughs> that, for me, that's a, that's a relatively new term. I, I've only heard it over the last several years, but it's, a, it's an acronym for fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. If you ever hear anybody, you ever hear the kids reference in FOMO, that's what it means. It's, it's the fear of missing out. And it's, it's a deep sense of concern that we may be missing out on something in which others are engaged. It's a strange feeling that creeps in a world that never sleeps, where our screens flash with endless possibilities and our days are packed with activities. The fear of missing out is a term with which you are familiar. It's that nagging feeling of uneasiness that makes you question if you're truly experiencing life at its fullest. Some of you know what I mean because it's ingrained in your personality. You can't leave the party early. Come on. Come on. How, how many of you? Come on. Come on. Show of hands right now. How many of you? You can't be among the first to leave. You, you've got to wait until the end because you don't want to miss out because one time you went home early and after that you heard about all the fun they had after you left. And now you're just afraid. You're just afraid to leave because you don't, you don't want to miss out on what's going on. And, you know, many, many people in our society are driven by that sense or that feeling that if they go home, if they abstain, if they rest, or they're not where the crowd is, or they don't possess the latest and the greatest, then somehow, some way, they're going to miss out. And I want to I offer you a caution today with this, but I also want to encourage you in this. And the caution that I want to offer you today is, as I said, this, this idea of being fearful about missing out, it's as old as time. It's as old as time. We can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, and we see the serpent in the garden, and he's there talking to Eve. And how did he come to her? He said, hey. He didn't say, hey, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil tastes great. He said, hey, why don't you try this over here? And Eve answered and said, we can't 
eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for God said that in the day you eat thereof you shall surely die and the serpent said to Eve you shall not surely die God told you not to do that because he knows that in the day you eat thereof you're gonna be like him in other words if you don't partake you're gonna miss out and there's a sensuality in our in our world and there's a carnality there's a spirit of carnality that is constantly warring with you and I and appealing to our senses and appealing to our impulses and appealing to our person that says if you don't partake of what this world has to offer you're missing out if you don't just grab life by the horns and get everything you can then somehow or another you're going to be missing out can i tell you today that i want to challenge you because at the root of temptation at the root of temptation people of god is the fear of missing out what am, what am i going to get to the end of this life and regret that i didn't do that i didn't experience that i didn't have if i don't seize the moment and, and there's, that, there's that root that's there. And I'm going to tell you that, that FOMO is often a misguided thing. It's, it's centered around social and societal pressures. Listen, FOMO is the reason that your mom had to ask you if everybody else jumped off a bridge. Right? That, that's the reason, because our impulse is, well, everybody's doing it. I need to be a partaker. I can't be on the outside of this. I've got to be in the middle of this. And, and, and you know, it's centered around social and societal pressures. It's centered around materialism. And I want to tell you something. Even in the church, there is a misguided fear of missing out. And the way I see it in this generation is that there are a lot of people who are asking the wrong questions. And the question that's being asked in this generation is not what must I do to draw nearer to God, but what can I do to push the boundaries of being a person of faith to partake of as much of this world that I can and still call myself redeemed, still call myself saved, still call myself set apart unto God? How close can I get to blurring the line We, we want to we wanna have a reverse legalism because what we want to ask is not what must I do as a matter of rule to think I'm right, but what can I do and still get away with? Paul said, all things to me are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Can I tell you today, church, that we have, we have laid firmly a hold of the saying that all things to me are lawful, and we have completely released the idea that not all things are expedient, not all things are helpful, not all things are good for our Christian life, for our spiritual victory, and for us to be best positioned for God to pour his anointing in our lives. So I caution you today against the, the misguided elements of the fear of missing out. But I want to tell you something today. Fearing a missing out is not altogether a bad thing. 
As a matter of fact, I, I, I want to challenge you today that you and I ought to have a little bit of a healthy reverential fear that we're going to miss out. There should have been something gnawing on the inside of us today at the thought that God's people would be assembling and where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. There ought to have been something on the inside of us that was gnawing at us that said, come hell or high water, even though earth hinders and hell rages, I'm going to make it to the house of God today because I know that he's going to be there and this is the day that he's made and he has something ordained for me and I don't want to miss it there were there were a lot of people in the Bible who had a healthy fear of missing out and I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 25 and Jesus is here sharing in parable with his followers a word about expectation in the kingdom and not only expectation in the kingdom but the preparedness of the believer to be recipients of the full that God has to offer the context of this parable a little bit has to do with the coming of the Lord the rapture of the church and we'll talk a little bit about that along the way but I want to tell you something there's a there's a principle that's applicable here for you and I that is not just simply sitting and waiting for the return of the Lord, but in every facet of our lives, if the principle is employed, I believe that you and I will see the Lord of glory show up in our lives time and time and time again as we have a greater concern for what God wants to do in a moment than we do for what the world has to offer in a moment. <clears throat> So we look to Matthew chapter 25 and we're introduced to this group of people. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. In the text today, we see a larger group of people consisting of two parts. And I very simply want to divide these in this way for the church in this modern era and say that there were five who had lax expectations. 
They were there. They were present. They were going through the motion. But their expectations were very low. As a matter of fact, not only were their expectations low, but their preparedness and their readiness to receive what the bridegroom would usher into their lives was very low also. Can I tell you something today, church? When we come to the house of the Lord, it shouldn't take three songs and a great word to rev us up and get us going. When when we come to the house of the Lord, the temperature shouldn't have to be just so for us to be engaged in worship, for us to be engaged in posturing ourselves before the Lord of glory to be able to come in and do what he wants to do in our lives. There were five whose expectations were lax and there were five who had a sincere expectation. And I'm not going to take all the time this morning to go into all the historical context. Understand this because this is, this is so far outside the realm of, you know, the modern courtships and marriage and all those things. We don't really grasp all of this and understand the significance of it. But I'm telling you that Jesus being a master communicator in the day that he spoke this, his original audience understood exactly what he was saying. But I just want to simplify for you this morning and take it down to what it means for you and I right now in this moment. In in this moment, what we can understand is that there were lamps there. And that, that lamp, that lamp... What's important for you and I today is to understand the significance of these elements. And there was a lamp that was there, and the lamp was a tool. The lamp was a tool that was, it was a vessel. It was a vessel that was to be filled with oil. And there was oil mentioned in this text. And as we understand scripture, we understand that oil is always there to signify the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there it is, there's the vessel that is there that is to be filled with the oil. There's a wick. The wick is mentioned and the wick is mentioned as being trimmed. And I'm telling you that in the instance where the wick is being trimmed, that is the process of sanctification. That's where the garbage is being cut away. That's where the things that hinder a clear representation of the fact that we are filled with the oil of the Holy Ghost. All those things are being trimmed away and a capability and ability is being made right so that once the wick is ignited, it has a clear and it gives a clear, tangible, physical evidence and testament of what's on the inside. What's on the inside is glowing bright on the outside because the wick has been trimmed and there has been a readiness to conduct what's on the inside so that it can be seen clearly on the outside. It's almost parallel to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of the sinner, sets in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, he's put away all the counsels of the world and he's focused on the law of God and he's committed himself to that. Your word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf 
and the leaf is a testament of life and the leaf shall not wither. That lamp that is trimmed and burning bright, it's not sooty, it's not smoky, it's not tarnished, but it is a pure flame that burns bright with a testament that it is saturated in the oil. And I want to tell you something today, church, in this dark generation that you and I live in, we need to be saturated. Our lives, our hearts, our minds, all of us need to be saturated in the oil of the Holy Ghost. And there needs to be a trimming away. There needs to be a cutting of anything out of our lives that taints the testimony, that taints the testament of life. And there's the, the bridegroom represents Christ. His coming at the midnight cry represents the imminent return of Christ. But I want to tell you something today, church. Day after day after day after day after day after day after day after, I believe that the Lord of glory stands at the heart, the door of your heart and mine, and he knocks. And if any man or woman hears his voice, he will come in and he will sup with them. He will commune with them. He will share with them. He will bless them. He will cause his favor to rest upon them. But the sad reality is in this generation, we are often woefully unprepared for the Lord of glory to come in because we're more concerned about missing out on what the world's offering than missing out on what God wants to do in our lives. Say, Pastor, you've been in this vein for a few weeks now of, of talking about sanctification and being set apart to the Lord and, and, and adherence to the Word and all these things. I want to tell you something. I, I don't know what your take on all that is. I, I really, it, and it's really inconsequential to me because the truth of the matter is what I understand is one day I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and I'm going to have to give an account for the way that I handled this Word in front of God's people. And I'm going to revere what the Lord wants in this moment more than I'm going to fear the thought of man. And I want to tell you something. For every one of us, there is a day coming when the midnight cry is going to be heard. And you will either be ready or you will not be ready. You will be prepared for that and what the Lord wants to do in your life. And, and here's the thing. You know, so oftentimes we want to ready ourselves after we see. We came to church and there was a stirring, a moving of the Holy Spirit. Our friends started being healed. Our friends started receiving words of knowledge. Our, our friends started understanding things prophetically. And, you know, God was just speaking to their hearts and all these things. And then we get all jazzed about it and we want to go and get ready. Just like the five foolish virgins. But can I tell you something? God often moves seasonally. And you either move in sync with the timing of the Holy Spirit or you get left behind. And it would behoove us, church, to be ready as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, as, as, the, as the bridegroom comes in to his bride and he begins to do amazing things. It would behoove us in this generation to be ready to have our oil 
to be prayed through in the spirit, to have our wicks trimmed and burning bright and prepared for the midnight cry. I'm telling you, there's coming a final day when that cry is issued, but I believe there's a cry over this earth right now from the Lord. There's a clarion call from God. I believe that is calling his people to rise up in the spirit and receive great things from the Lord. And I want us to be ready. There was also represented in this text a great disappointment. And that is from those who were not ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Those who were turned away after the fact. And then there's this warning. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. Again, I know that the greater context of this is about the coming of the Lord and our preparedness for the rapture of the church and and the return of Christ. I, I get that. I do understand that. But I want to I want to tell you something right here today right now in this moment whether you're in this house whether you're watching online whether you're worshiping with us in whatever whatever method you're choosing today I want to tell you something today is a day of God's favor today is a day of God's blessing and can I tell you something that this world has nothing nothing absolutely nothing that will compare with what God is wanting to give to his bride today there there is no comparison and I'm going to tell you something we're out oftentimes chasing after things that in the grand scheme of things aren't going to matter at all and we're so afraid of missing out on something that we saw on our Instagram reels we're so we're so afraid of 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 missing out on something that flashed across this ad from some random place just because you mentioned something in your sleep one night I, I don't know but but we're, we're so afraid of missing out on all those things but I'm telling you that we need to have a sincerity about us that we are absolutely fearful of missing out on what God wants to do in this generation can I tell you that fear of missing out is encouraged in the scripture it's encouraged how can I make sure that my lamp is trimmed and burning bright Paul Paul expresses the manifestation of Christ's love for the church and again this is this is in a little varied context but the principle of it is the same because Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 is talking about the the marital context and how much uh a wife and a husband are to love one another and live submissively towards one another and and Paul expresses the manifestation of Christ's love for the church and he says this in Ephesians 5 beginning in verse 25 he says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it but here's the purpose that 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 the Lord gave himself to the church for not to pay up yours and my fire insurance okay not, not just so that we can walk around and distinguish ourselves with the label of saved as opposed to unsaved. But he says that, that the Lord has given himself for us that he might sanctify. Again, that's, that's back to that trimming the wick. That's back to that putting off the things of the world with a greater expectancy of what God wants to do. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Paul instructs the church, of uh, writing to the Thessalonians, he, he writes these words, how that we're to position ourselves for a preparedness of what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And, and he, he begins in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, and we warn, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men, see that no one renders evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Holy Spirit. Some, some translations say grieve not. Can I tell you something today, church? We can partake. We can shun. We can pursue so many other things in this life and allow so many other things into the temple. We talked last week about this this physical being being the temple of the Holy Spirit that we can actually grieve and make unwelcome God's presence in our lives and Paul says look don't grieve be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit that doesn't mean he's some kind of prima donna that's just prone to drama it just simply means that we need to be careful that we are living lives in our hearts, our minds, our thoughts are welcome and opening to the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophesyings. I could give you a whole message on that, but suffice to say, I believe verse 21 qualifies enough. Don't despise it, but don't just blindly receive all of it either. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. You're going to receive some revelatory prophecies in your life. You're going to receive some confirming prophecies in your life. And most of the time, even if it's revelatory to you, there's going to come a place where God leads you to something that's going to confirm the prophecy that was given to you. You don't have to hook, follow it, swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Verse 22 abstain from all appearance of evil church that means that we don't have to ask the question can we get away with it should should we get away it just it means that if it if it deserves a question if it deserves the question the counsel here is that we should stay away from it that we would avoid the very appearance of evil. 
And this is what Paul says, and, and this, is that, this is all part of that process of trimming the wicks and being welcome and open to the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing in and through our lives and setting our lives aflame with the fire of Jesus. And he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand all over the sanctuary this morning. And let's talk about rightly applying the sphere of missing out. Listen, church, I want to tell you something. I, I, Pastor Lisa and I all the time, we preach about an expectation of greater things. And I, I believe that God is about to do some significant things here in the life of this church. I really, really do. But church, we need to be at a place where we are so reverently fearful of what the Lord is going to try to speak to us or move in our lives that we live with our lamps full of the Holy Spirit, our wicks trimmed and burning bright, lives ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, John speaking to the people who were gathered at his introduction of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3 said I indeed baptize you with water under repentance but he that comes after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire that is that is the promise of Scripture so this is what I want to invite you to do this morning as we begin to conclude this this time together today I just want to invite you to lift up hands all over this place all over this sanctuary if you're watching online just lift your hands up wherever you are right now and I want to I want to invite you just to begin to to invite the the searching of the Holy Spirit and just say Lord what are some things God what are some things in my life that I need to release? What are some things that I've been afraid of missing out on that I need to let go of? And I need to change those things for a greater pursuit for what you have in store for me. Because God, in the season of moving, in the season of your outpouring, I don't want to be on the outside looking in, but I want to be in the middle of what you're doing in this generation. Oh, church, let us have a greater, a greater hunger for more of God than anything else in this life. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.